I did. And you noticed I'm <laughs> yeah. still not weird. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Hey, welcome to Mountaineer Kingdom Do Talk. This is Josh, Nick, Jared, and Andy. Andy. And we're... Uh, Andrew. Ryan couldn't be here for safety reasons. He'll get that. Yeah. Oh, so fun week, boys. Great week, right? I'm yes. Not, I don't want a lot of reviewers. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to do this one. We're going to start this one a little bit different. Oh, the whole mic thing. <laughs> we got some, uh, f- not feedback, viewer questions, we'll say. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the first one. Wait, before we start, I want to describe to the viewers what's going on with the microphones first. Do we have to? So we had a couple of notes where Andrew, I'm sure you've heard, yes, you've heard in other videos and are enlisting. <laughs> He's got trouble with that yes. microphone. <laughs> He's got trouble with that microphone. <laughs> I don't think the trouble is the microphone. <laughs> so, so the so so now he was told to push the microphone out of the way when he's not talking. So, of course, us being us, we can't do it. Yeah, he's got to look intently in Jared's eyes when they're doing it now. So, that's a weird idea. There's if you notice that during the entire video, that's where that's coming from. And, and it will it will cause YouTube. laughter. And if you're not on YouTube, then just ignore those two minutes. Yeah. But if you are listening on another streaming service, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. And share. <laughs> we're getting better at plugging this stuff, guys. Are we? No. No. But we're trying. So let's jump into the question. Yeah. With your permission. Uh, <laughs> All right. For anybody. Open forum. Any of you guys experienced any challenges being the spiritual leader in your home, work, or life? Mm. Go ahead, Andy. I thought. What was the question? <laughs> Have you ever experienced any challenges being the spiritual leader, home, work, or life? Yes. 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 I think we all have to an extent. Yes. Next question. So, what was the outcome? What happened? Oh, geez, man. Uh, so this is a loaded topic for me. And I think I've referenced it a handful of times in this whole thing that we've been doing. Uh, I've been in a battle for the last six years as a result of going through a divorce. And that has challenged all of the above to the core. Um, and essentially, I've had elements from my ex elements from the state representatives from therapists, lawyers, every professional that can be brought into the family court drama thing. Um, wow. That was springy. It was me this time. <laughs> uh, basically anybody who can come into your home and take away the authority that you have as a parent, specifically a father has happened to me. Um, and it's not been easy. It's been six years, and I've essentially lost all control to make any decisions regarding parenting, including taking away devices. They are court-ordered to have devices on them. And, uh, yeah, I'm just at a position now where the case is still open, and it's been ongoing, the most recent iteration of it. It's, we're going on about two years now, year and a half, since we've been in and out of court. And very bottom line up front yes absolutely it's I've had everything stripped from me and uh, it sucks because I don't know what to do yeah but I'm holding on (laughs) I mean I think everybody has a different place and season but again we're going to keep talking about the, the importance of a group that's everybody's highs and lows are different and it's surrounding yourself with with dudes that you can be in the trenches with yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot of times that the nice thing with like our group is, uh, thank you, is uh, um, we're we're there to like. <laughs> it's a real serious moment. I know. <laughs> and then Nick Jefferson over here. This is that joy my... of the spirit thing that <laughs> we've got going on. It was my turn to be Jared. It was just the way you looked. You locked eyes with him. You told me to do that. <laughs> It was Nick's idea. Um, but like it was great. Sorry. Where where you get those 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 moments to where it's 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 that Moses moment where when you're when you're down 
we can come up alongside you and the hold dreams. your arms up. Yeah. It's also one of those I've been I've been in a really good season lately and it's one of those even some of the small stuff <laughs> We are editing that out. No. Uh, no. It's one of those we'll do, it live. do you ever feel like you don't want to reach out? Like I don't want to bother them with this. I don't want to burden them down all the time. All the time. Yeah, all the time. This I have I have myself and it's like, well, why wouldn't I? I mean, I want to know if my dudes are having issues, if I can pray for them. I've been, I don't want to, I'm trying to figure out how to say this and not be weird. It's not going to happen. Just say it. Um, Let it happen. I, it's not that I enjoy people's issues or I, I revel in people's misery, but I get joy out of taking that issue to the Lord. Like I want to take issues to the Lord so that he can get credit and praise and glory out yeah, of it. But, but when you're going through a storm, and that that storm because like i, I know I, I've, I've not been exactly what been through exactly what you've you've been through andy or, or specifically you nick but i've had my own storm to where every day brings new challenges mm-hmm. and the way it feels is you, you know when you're at the beach and you get knocked over by a wave and you try to get up and another wave hits you and just as you're starting to get your head above water you get slapped with another wave and that's what it usually feels like. And then it's like you're you're sending messages to, to your buddies to, to talk about it. And then you feel like, oh, I'm just bugging them because it, it's just another it's, it's another day of more crap that I got to deal with. Yeah, I feel like uh, any time that I'm hesitant to even talk about it at this point, because, I mean, shoot, we've had our little group here for the last four or five years. And I, I hate bringing it up because I feel like, well... There's Andy again complaining about the story of his life. Nope. And it's either you or Nick. <clears throat> well, it, I'm kidding. It, it I'm becomes kidding. a burden. Like, that's. I've always been. Burn. Burn. I'll jump in here after that. <laughs> here we go. But historically, I've always been kind of in your position, Josh. Like, hey, if you're down. Like, I was walking morale bomb. When I was in Afghanistan, dude, I would show up to my unit's place. And they're like, dude, Andy's here. Bring out the guitar and start singing songs and acting stupid. And we would start playing games, and it would be like these guys were all very office-focused. And then when I came up, they're like, dude, when you come, the whole – everybody starts bubbling around. And, like, it becomes fun working here. Yeah. And then you go back to Jalalabad. Jalalabad. And <laughs> – <laughs> right. So – and then they're like, dude, it, like, died. Um so I've always had that positive affirmation that I was the guy that kind of brought, and I was in the middle of the divorce at that point in time. So like, do you feel you're losing that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm, I have, and that's part of the, the problem. Like this past week, I didn't do anything. I did what I had to do. I got up and I went to work and then I came home and I sat on the couch and either played a video game or watched a movie and life went on around me because I don't have the energy, the desire to do anything at this point like I hate waking up every day and I'm being completely vulnerable for anybody listening I, I don't care um, I, I hate facing the things I have to face every day I don't want to face it I get out of bed at 7.05 and I jump in the shower and I'm out the door at 7.30 and then I sit at my desk and I try to engage and I try to put what energy I have into my work because I have to support my family and I'm supporting two families right now. Child support's a thing. We can talk about that at another point in time. And that's freaking enough to castrate you. But, like, I just, what, where's the, what's the motivation? Like, I've lost all will to move forward. Now, praise God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because I have faith and hope in Jesus that even though I've had the suicidal thoughts, I, that will never be an option. But those thoughts are there because it would, it would stop the pain. Yeah. And just because you're a Christian and, and, and you were saved and we know where our eternity is, doesn't mean that the journey there is always smooth sailing. So that was, I sent you guys a verse. And I'll try to pull it up quick because it it kind of helped calibrate my certain, my situation right now. And, you know, one of the things that I've constantly been vocal about in these circumstances was the pursuit of peace. 
And Christ tells us in Matthew 10 and 34, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man... <clears throat> I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that verse holds a lot of implications for the scenario that I believe that I'm, that I'm in. But I want to focus on the word peace. Because for years, I have been pursuing peace in as it pertains to having peace with these circumstances and situation and trying to resolve the conflict. And here Christ is literally telling us, no, dude, I, I didn't come to bring peace. Your faith is going to divide. And as of late, my faith and association with the church has been the focus of attack within the situation that I'm in. And, uh, it, it's just, it's painful. And I'll, Anybody listening to this, if they're if the lawyers listen to this, they're going to use that against me, and it's I expect that. Well, you said something the other day that that hit home for us is when we stepped out to do this. It's we're stepping out because we feel that we're led by the Holy Spirit to promote the kingdom, right? The return a return the return is coming uh, in our lifetime or not, but we need to prepare for it. We need to be ready to live forever, but be ready for him to return. And when you step out in the front lines, the attacks are coming. They're going to come hard and they're going to come heavy and they're going to come from what, and I like how you said it, they're going to come from where we least expect them. So, so one of the, one of the things that while you were talking, uh, Andy, that was coming, coming to my mind was uh, in Psalms. I don't remember the exact Psalm, but David said that, um, you'll prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Mm-hmm. If you really kind of taken that verse apart and looked at it is you're, you're, you're sitting at God's table, but your enemies are all around the table in the room while you're eating. But the thing to remember is right in the middle of that table is a great big bowl of victory. Right in the middle of that table is a great big bowl of peace. I think that's been part of it is recalibrating my my disposition because in our much of what we worship with you know if you listen to a lot of the songs that we sing they're all about well I'm going to get a victory and I'm going to get this and then we've got all this positive encouragement and when you read through the biblical narrative things didn't always work out for people read mm-hmm. Fox's book of martyrs how many martyrs are there that that we don't know all I think 11 of the 12 apostles were all mar- martyred at some point and, and, and the 12th was attempted to be martyred and didn't Multiple die times, yeah. well, Haley shared this real quick you since you said martyrs and I didn't know this the original term for martyrs wasn't t- uh, for someone who was um, killed for their faith it stood for people who followed Christ and because so many of them died that way they changed the meaning of martyr well the point that I'm trying to get to is that our faith now is so disassociated with that. Mm-hmm. Like, praise God, we grew up in the United States of America, America. and America. we are living in a nation that was built on the foundation of the living God. It's God is referenced throughout much of the forefathers' mm. documentation. As much as people deny or try to change that, it's still there. The foundation was there. So we have lived in this isolated thing where, as Christians, we've been able to freely practice. Mm-hmm. freely be Christians and that has weakened us. I think Francis Chan actually has a a, a reference to when he's done uh, some of his journeys over in Asia and they're like, dude the church in the United States is milky like they, mm-hmm. because our faith is more built around well, the more built around prosperity. Like our faith is more associated with making this life good and our faith has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yet it's a lot of the affirmation that we give ourselves and a lot of the self-ministering that we have. Just listen to Caleb. I'm going to make it through this, and God, you're going to be here. And that's how we—God's not the center of our worship. And it's more like this—our pursuits in this life are. The prosperity of— what he offers is what we're worshiping, right. not the, him. Correct. Yeah. Every, every, and a, everything is in the midst of of 
the uh, the the enemy, the adversary. It, nothing like I mean, I'm I'm gonna misquote this the scripture. So for everyone on on the YouTube's, please forgive me on this. But um, the the idea of God won't give us any more than what we can handle is not entirely accurate. What it is is um, He will always give us a way out, and there there's never. <clears throat> there's never a point where we don't go through trials and tribulations and that, but what, what we have different than the most is we know what the outcome is, no matter what it is. Correct. And that's, that's the comfort that I've had is that the hope that we have isn't in this life being all that it is. The the hope that we have is in knowing that we are created in the image of God. We have been chosen as children of God, despite our circumstances, Nothing can separate us from God. Romans 8, man, if you have not read Romans 8, spend the time meditating on Roman 8, Romans 8. Roman 8, 1, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, period. No questions asked. And then at the end, Paul reaffirms, no one can separate me from God's love. That's the promise. That's the gospel. Not, well, you're going to be healed. Your family's going to be made whole. You're not going to, like, all of these things... <clears throat> aren't the focus of our faith. While God can and has and will continue to do things like that, the reason Jesus came and performed miracles was not to perform the miracles, but was to identify that he was in fact God on earth. And if, if that was the case, then why wasn't, uh, shoot, why wasn't Stephen saved from being martyred the first time? Yeah. Did, did he not have enough faith? Here he is proclaiming and regurgitating a portion of Scripture to highlight that Christ was Christ and he was martyred. Well, look at little James, the disciple that had that what had the I forget what his disability was, and is authorized to go out and perform these miracles, but yet he's still disabled. Right, and the chosen talked about. I, that. I'm almost on that yeah. episode. Yeah, but I wanted to jump into your <laughs> your scripture earlier. It was Psalms 23 and five, and this is the Christian Standard Version. It says, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." Yeah. So, so the thing with that, like, if if, if you dig into that, and and and, and put an image, and and kind of build that image out. Um, I think we kind of gloss over in the presence of, of my enemies or in the midst of my enemies, but that table is literally in the middle of all the battles that you're fighting, it, whether it's a, a, a healing or whether it's, it's something with, with family issues, things like that. That table's there. God prepares a way out for us. We have a victory in, in, in Jesus and anointing my head with oil is anointing is, is the Holy spirit. Cause I mean that that's a prophetic verse, prophetic prophetically written by David yeah. in, so, in the Old Testament. So. I, I do want to highlight that that's a worship song. Yeah. There's a table that you prepared, and this is how I fought my battles. But the the encouragement there is that focus on the provision. Focus on what God has given us rather than the battle that's around us. We are going to lose the battles in this life. Mm -hmm. And we're not focused on the battles in this life. And that's kind of the point that I'm at. How do I reconcile that? Uh with with my circumstances is how do I I've been fighting for retaining the authority I have as a father not so that I have the power the the narrative is that and this is quoted in a court order dad is operating in military mode and in that mode he expects everyone to do what he says so when I use the word authority in the context of a family court setting it's mis misconstrued as, well, he's a power-hungry, tyrannical monster that is dictating how everyone lives. And honestly, that that is a distortion of it. It's, it's much like how, I thought about this the other day, it's much like how sex is beautiful and porn distorts the image of sex. So the way that authority is being misconstrued whenever I try to relate to it, it's the same way. It's making it a dirty version of something that is sacred, something that is holy. And I've attempted to say, you know, on more than one occasion, like, I'm trying to be a father. I'm trying to raise my children and train them in the way that they need to be trained. But in this day and age, that's not what, that's so, not the narrative that people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Because children's feelings are the most important thing in the world. Well, when you shared that. The, or that all was, feelings, I should say. You shared that, and that was one of those things that, like, so then, I, then that, by that definition, and I think we would all be bad fathers. 
Because I, if I have my kids, if I tell them I want them to do something, yes, I expect them to do that. The same as my parents before me and their parents before them. And it's not to roll over them, as you say. It's to teach them that, hey, you have responsibilities. You have um, things that you're going to be required to do. Do I want to clean my... It's the, like the movie The uh, Breakup. Who wants to do the dishes? Well, you have to do the dishes. It's important. Clean homes, setting good examples, uh, discipline, that sort of thing. But it's not to rule over them and be like, oh, look at me. I have the authority now. It's like, hey, no, I have to educate you and train you up because you're going to be in the world one day. Well, our authority is derived from our position as the leaders of our families. That's a spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has been castrated from us in society. Well, now you have a court system that's taking that away. Dude, you're not kidding. So now we have society reinforcing these values that the voice of a father carries no weight or authority. And even more important to that, as Christians, our position as fathers, we have, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have share a name with God. Yeah. And as such, we are to be stewards of those that have been placed in our charge, our wives and our children. We are intended to be the leaders of our family. And when we can't, sorry, coming from that heart, all of us, I promise, have sat and meditated on what I want for my family, what, how we want to support our wives and their ambitions and how we provide for them and how we give them the things they need to, to encourage their growth and development and what we desire for our children. What I see the gifts, talents, and abilities of my children, and I see the direction that they can take those things for the glory of the kingdom. So I almost guarantee that we have all sat back and meditated on the desires that we have for our children that aren't for ourselves, but are intended to fulfill them and their purpose, not only for what they do with their lives, but especially the kingdom. For what their calling is. Right. So like that is, that's the heart that the authority is coming from. I'm trying to raise and correct my children and provide guidance to them so that they move in a direction where they're going to have fulfilling lives that have purpose that's outside of them being the center of it. But that value right there is being contradicted by the values that are being breathed into their, their minds through radio, through television, through YouTube. You are the center of the world and what you feel is real. What you, 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 like I am the most powerful, strongest person. It's, we have deified ourselves in this generation mm-hmm. and our children are being taught that when you have a feeling, that feeling is the most important thing ever. And we must cater to that feeling and your truth. This concept of relative truth has become, has supplanted the truth. Yeah. Now when I was growing up and I was being corrected, there were things that I felt I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to listen to my parents when they told me that I needed to do something because I didn't feel I had to. But through their discipline, through their correction, they've turned me into the man that I am today because I've, I had to learn. Like I had to be taught you're going to do something you don't want to do. And there's no questions about it. You're going to do it. And if you don't do it, I'm going to make some disciplinary action. That's going to force you you to do it. There's a quote my dad always told me, and it was, you can do anything in this world you want to do, but there's a price for it, and you have to be willing to pay it, right? I mean, you can do anything you want, but there's a, there's a price to pay. Um, that one's always stood out to me, and I think we get to a point, and it's, it's something I've been reading and examining, um, when we try to overprotect our kids. So if they're in a bad situation or they're having a conflict with a kid, it's like, well, I need to jump in and help them with that conflict. Sometimes the best thing for us to do is just to sit and let them figure it out. Because if we're always jumping in and fighting that battle or like my kid, my kids are so different to an extent, but yet they're the same. It's like, if there's any type of friendship conflict, I want to jump in. It's like, well then, be the, be the bigger person if you feel you're in the wrong and then you go say this instead of just letting them go do what they would naturally do and then kind of, all right, let's examine what happened, what worked, what didn't work. <laughs> we're, we're raising, we're, if we do that, and this is where I think the devil, I'm sorry, I just wanted to swing this in there, where I think the devil's best tactic is, is 
our generation is already kind of set at our age where we want to be. But he's swooping in and he's changing the next generation of the church. Like one of the things with my ranger program is I look at them as a basketball team, right? Right now we're the starters. We're the ones that are teaching and leading and guiding and they're the bench. They're, they're the ones who have to watch the starters and learn for, for the, uh, the, when they're in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what you're talking about is kind of, I mean, it, it's just, a, it's a simple leadership principle, whether you're leading your, your family, your kids, or leading team members at work. If, if the team becomes dependent on you solving all their problems for them, they're always, you're always going to solve all their problems for them. And the same with your, your kids at times, if they get used to you solving all the problems for them, when they get out on their own, they won't be able to change a light bulb on their own. They're going to have to call you to come out and change the light bulb. Yeah. So here's an additional frustration with respect to the usurping of authority (laughs) and my position as a father. All this from one question. That's amazing. (laughs) Good question there, viewer person. I feel like that was canned. <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, so it was, <clears throat> as a professional, that's developing teams and developing individuals is something that I've done. How do you develop a team and how do you encourage a person to grow? Experience is the best teacher. You provide a scenario where you have to, I want to read it. <laughs> no. You provide a scenario where a person has to learn through experience. Uh, experience is the greatest teacher, period. As such, from a leadership perspective, what you do is you basically give a person enough rope to hang themselves with. And you you say, all right, hey, this is your baby. I'm going to offer you guidance and direction. Go forth and conquer. So, so John Maxwell actually says evaluated experienced is the best teacher. That I would agree with that completely because when you have someone supervising that experience, you can sit back and have, there's a safety net in place because if that person gets to the point where they're going to ultimately fail and screw up the direction of the organization, then the, the leader can come in and help redirect and put it back on track. That's what we're doing as parents all day long. And in my scenario, I do that professionally. Yeah. I, I, it was, it's been my job for the last 10 years to build and develop teams and empower subordinate leaders to move together collectively so that the organization can move forward as a whole. And while I've been able to make that function in my personal or my professional life, in my personal life, I have the inability to do that because I don't have the authority. It's been taken from you. And one of the, one of the things that really correlates that is if you have all of the responsibility with none of the authority, you end up seeing people shut down. If you provide, like, it, it, that dog's been growling the whole time. <laughs> like, That's what I think he's snoring. He's, <laughs> he's snoring. <laughs> Again, we need a, the studios around here. So if, <laughs> if you hold someone accountable and make sure they have this responsibility they're intended to uphold, but you don't give them the authority they need to effectively accomplish whatever you're holding them responsible for, they're going to fail. They're going to shut down, and they're going to be crippled because they can't do what you've asked them to do. So that's the situation that I feel like I'm in is I have all the responsibility. I feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders, but I have none of the authority to exact the change that I need to. And it's, it's just really frustrating because the, the rest of my life for the most part is I'm functioning well marginally in some cases because my personal life is impacting my performance at work too. So it's just—it's really frustrating because I feel like I'm just living in a juxtaposed. Good word. Thank you. It's a juxtaposed reality. On one hand, I'm seen as a valid person that brings insight and value to whatever I'm participating in, and that's either at work or I'm on a, I'm on city council, in my local town, and my opinion is valued. But as it pertains to the role that I have as a father, I'm an invalid. I'm incapable and incompetent, and I have no clue what I'm doing. So they say. Well, so they say, but then I go to church, and there are young men that I have relationships with because of one reason or another, and it just, it doesn't make sense that I've got these people that are saying, hey, I want you in my life, but then my own children are rejecting the very notion that I have any 
any value to give them whatsoever. And then having a system that is saying, no, you will not have that position. I will take it from you. And here's a court order to affirm that. So let me ask this, because this kind of reminds me of the scripture that uh, you, you re- Matthew 10, that you referenced earlier. I forget the verse, but it's Matthew chapter 10. And then um, also in Matthew, a good book if you've never read it, that it says a prophet is, correct me, is without honor except for his own home, or is with honor except for his own home. It's You can get all these accolades outside of the house, but the hardest people, because they're in there, they see that day-to-day, that very intimate relationship that we have with people that's sometimes the hardest conversations they often see the weaknesses yeah so good amanda, point yeah very good point amanda and i had this conversation yesterday and it's uh forget where it's at paul talks about women need love men need respect there's a really good book written can't remember the author called love and respect it's a marriage devotional but it emphasizes the fact that women are in need of love love being completely different than what respect is as men respect is our language the language of women is love. They know how to be, oh, like it's very intuitive for a woman to come up and comfort a, a, someone Jared's in pain. Jared's face when you made that sound and oh, touched his shoulder. I know, it was a little much, sorry. <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but as men, our natural language is respect. If you come in and you have something to say, we're going to sit around and we're going to listen to what you say. We are going to defer respect. It's a natural inclination for us. For children and for women, that's not so much the case. And, and I don't want to overgeneralize this, but we need respect. It's what drives us. It's what gives us our fuel. And if we don't have respect in our own home, then it shuts us down. And I think that's part of where I'm at emotionally is that the very people that should intuitively respect my, me don't. Yeah. And it's, it's, I try to correlate it. With the idea that we just need to be valued. Like when I go to work or whatever, if I speak, people listen. And then they take what I say and they apply it. Yeah. But in my own home, I'm a mockery. When I speak, oh, that's just Andy. He's just being dumb. He doesn't actually bring any value. And that contradicts that very position that we have where I've meditated on each of my children and thought about what my desire is for their lives and it's not a self-centered desire but when i make a correction or make a suggestion or and and then basically get mocked and it's said that well you don't have any value that's contradicting the very heart that i have as a father as as a husband to say that well that's not my desire for you but the way that we're met with this opposition, and I think each of us have, have dealt with this, and you're right, it's, mm-hmm. the, the fam, familiarity breeds content. I think that's a a familiar phrase that's said. Never heard it. Really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, you know what, Josh? <laughs> Do push-ups. But it's, respect is a, is a discipline for children, and it's something that we have to reinforce. But again, as men, we naturally respect one another. We defer to the inherent authority that each of us has. When you speak, I'm going to shut up and listen and value what you have to say. My children, when I speak, they cast it aside as if it's nothing. And man, that sucks because. <laughs> and I think they all do uh, to an extent. Even mine, it's like sometimes you'll tell them something. And it's so one of the things we're working on with, with Gabe is many small tasks just to keep him in that mindset. Because it's, hey, Gabe, I need you to go upstairs and clean up all your Legos. The next thing I know is he's up there building Legos. His mind of cleaning up Legos is to make something new. And it's, okay, one, I have to inspect what I expect. Um, Meaning that if I'm asking him to do that, it's, all right, let's go in sooner and make sure that that's getting done instead of letting him, you know, hang himself with the rope. Evaluated experience. There it is. Um, And it was, so, and that's something that I was way better at, um, professionally because my job especially one of the joys of the old job was i'm going to go in here i'm going to run two stores and my job is to make myself useless i need to teach them how to be self-efficient and that if i'm removed from the picture they still function that is that's the i think that's key to success for leadership and then that lets me know that it's time for me to move on to something else right i don't have to this is not my permanent home i won't be here forever 
but it's the give the men a fish, feed him for a day, teach the men a fish, then he can feed himself forever. And that was, that's always been my mindset. And it's interesting how that I personally um, jump in. If you've, you've had this, that when I get home, because I, I, I mean, I love my kids and my wife so much that I'm kind of a little more, I turn that switch off a little bit instead of keeping it on, but having more respect and love around it instead of just, this is how we do it at work. Yeah. The, I love the idea that one of the things that the army did was we had this white paper years ago in the profession of arms. And one of the statements of that, it's a great white paper, um, but we are stewarding the profession. Yes. Yeah. And being a steward doesn't mean that I'm in control of it. It means we're doing exactly what you said. We are developing the next generation so that we can continue to move forward as an organization. One of the tenets that's taught to the lowest ranking guy is the idea that you need to be prepared for the job that your boss has. And it's this idea that in the event that your leader is wounded in battle, mm-hmm. then somebody can move up and assume that role and position. And it's, it's a, and nothing's lost. It's just, we don't even skip a step, right? It's, it's a force of habit that we have to train ourselves as. And the, uh, honestly, that's what we're doing with our children. Mm-hmm. We're, we are training our children to be the next generation of what we are carrying forward. Looks like your wheels are turning. What are you thinking about? No, Sounds I mean, I, I was, I was, like completely on board with with what Andy was talking about. I was actually while you were talking was the 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 purpose of raising kids is to raise them to a point where you can step out and you don't need to be that anymore. And really, as your kids get older, um, how you work with them and raise them changes because you go from being a, a a boss to being a friend as they get older yeah and and you get to a point where they're they don't they need you less but they need they need you in a different capacity i think that's probably one of the biggest weights that i carry is that my kids don't need me and that in, enforces this loss of authority i have an inability by virtue of all the circumstances. <laughs> we love your dog. His name's Vader, by the way. I, I love the name of your dog. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I have no comment. And, and maybe I'm not to overstep, but the statement is, I don't, I don't think your kids realize how much they do need. I mean, all kids need a father. They do. <clears throat> but I, I think that they've, they, I'm trying to say this politically. Just like our episode where we gave all them statistics of fatherless homes. I think what, yes, I think what they, I believe eventually they will. And, but the, <clears throat> the time that they're not going to have with you, they're, it's, that's going to be a tough period. Detrimental. So yeah. He, but I, I think that they're, it's like their thought process is being stolen from them. Well, and this is something I've meditated on as well. What's... You, Jared. He just andied the microphone. Oh, good he job. He gave you hey, such the, a hard time about breaking The springs aren't messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch the rubber bands. So we, we really need to get like little mute buttons. No. I've actually... Is that a cough box? What do they call it? A cough box. <coughs> <coughs> I've looked into them, but they're like 100 bucks a pop. Y'all just move your mic to the side. Yeah. <laughs> So, Unless I, we I, get I sponsors and donors, and um, <laughs> so so I hit I hit the mic like, while subscribe. trying to move it out of the way. <laughs> I, well, don't I, do that. I think in my scenario, the, that role and function, I've been supplanted by a stepfather, and I've witnessed firsthand how I would tell my kids, "Hey, don't walk on the grass," and they look at me and just I'm walking on the grass anyways, like that mentality. And in the same token, I've seen the stepfather offer a directive, "Hey, pick this up," and it but there wasn't even a word; it was just. A head nod. And by that mere suggestion of a head nod, I watched my child, who would have ridiculed and made fun of me, comply with blind obedience. And mm, That's tough. Yeah, so when I witnessed that firsthand, I, again, I tried to explain this in the therapy sessions, but nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares what my perspective is. But that particular instance showed me that my children were getting some type of father authority figure it's just not me 
which sucks. Yeah, that's a tough pill. Yeah, so like, I I just don't know how to cope with that. How do you make? So we you talked about it earlier, and I've 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 loved that the Holy Spirit kind of gave me that concept of we share that title with God. Now let's relate that to how does God feel when we're more obedient to the world than we are to Him? When it's hey, I'm going to go do this instead of I should maybe pray for whatever I feel like praying, reading, reading the book for whatever I feel like praying that sometimes as, as humans, we're more obedient to things, not of God. I think that's what I was getting to with our last episode, this idea of letting go my pride and my adherence to this and stepping back and allowing, well, I'm a steward, right? As fathers, we're stewards, but at the end of the day, you're God's children. And in my situation, I feel, and I could be wrong, that effectively my youth, youth authority, my authority has been usurped. And that my attempts to regain that authority is causing more damage than harm. It's getting in the way of my children. The, the very fact that two of my children reject our church right now. And my pushing the issue is getting in the way of that. And I want, I do not want to ruin the intimacy that they could have with God by my actions. Now, I understand that I'm that there's other things going into play there, but the perspective is that my function is getting in the way. So I'm just at this position where I just need to step back and trust that God is that, God. That was going to be my question. Is it your perception or cause I feel that I'm, I get this way. Is it my approach to the situation? Cause I think your perception spot on. And, and there's, I mean, I'm so different at times with, with my kids because one, they are different. I can be a lot more head on with Aria because she's way more head on back. She's like, okay, well, let's, we're doing this today. And Gabe, it's, I'm, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. I'm going to give you the disappointed dad speech. My dad was great at it. It worked on me like a charm. Um, that works on Gabe. If I flip the roles, if I, I'm in that mood or whatever it is. And I go on headstrong with Gabe. He just shuts down. If I tell Aria, this is the disappointed dad speech. It's like, okay, that's, that's a you problem. <laughs> Sorry. You're disappointed. Yeah. It's like, uh, you, you have issues there, dad. You need to go <laughs> so well, tell that to somebody else. Welcome to the function of a divorce and split custody situation. A function of time is having the ability to develop the relationship that you need so that you can Fair. approach your children with that. Fair point. And up until recently, I had my kids six days a month and I went almost a year without seeing two of my children. Mm. And now I'm back at the point where I'm not going to see two of them. So how do you develop a relationship whenever you don't have the critical factor of familiarity, that time yeah. so that you can understand how to correlate? So it's the way that my circumstances have been developed it it's it's not set up to move forward it, it's it just sucks man okay must me think of especially like single mothers out there that have kids and they've had you know they've been single for a while and then they find whoever that god has created for them to be with what goes into that how is that kid going to adapt to now? Yeah. Mom's been the authority. She'll still be the main authority for the most part, just because of that bond, that intimacy that you're talking about. But now, so here's new dad comes in. Are you trying to court here? Here's the, fun I'm not, thing. it's just a thought that hit me. Not, no, it's, it's a very valid point, man, because Amanda and I effectively navigate those waters with her ex. Um, we have a very good working relationship with him. And the, from day one, I am not Mason and Elaine's father. Right. Um, their father is their father, and the authority that he has as their father is not something that I can, that I would ever get in the way of. And I've been very, very active about that. I get to be a bonus dad, which is the way I like to look at it. When they're at our home, I'm still going to offer that fatherly love and guidance. I'll defer to Amanda's authority because she is the actual parent. And it took a while. It's still, shoot, if I correct one of them, like I'll get the stomping feet and like, oh, well, just Andy's Andy, whatever. And there. <laughs> one of my, one of the, my favorite memories was the kayaking trip 
Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I, again, I've said it before. It's like, I'm around other parents and I'm like, I am not alone. It's oh, the yeah. same conversations. It's the same mind numbingly frustration, <laughs> joys of watching other people go. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I'm kind of enjoying that. I'm not in that conversation, but this is fun to watch. I, I do that every time I get together with other parents and watch them yell and scream at their kids. I'm like, yes. Well, when we get the, at the group together, when we all, you know, oh, yeah. we alternate, which we need to get back to that more consistently now that the weather's somewhat nice. Uh, it's a joy because it's like, oh, we're not alone in this. So because sometimes you have this picture of sometimes other families where sometimes they portray perfection. Oh, they come into church and everybody's happy, but we were screaming at each other in the car on the right there. <laughs> sometimes you have that perfection. Uh, you're seeing the, co- the the cover of that book. And then once you get out amongst like on a kayaking trip and, and you <laughs> and you see, you get to open that book and now all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. <laughs> that covers perfection. <laughs> but boy, when you open that chapter one, holy moly. And it is nice, like Jared said, to see that sometimes. That, Man, I'm not the only one struggling with this. There's more than just me struggling with this kid that I tell him to do something and he goes... If I tell him to go this way, he goes that way. Yeah, I have one of those kids. It's, what? It's very no tough. Way. There was this scene. <laughs> uh, I forget which kid. I think it was Mason. Yeah, I think it was Mason. And Gabe was in the back of this boat, and he's not moving his legs. And it's oh, like, Gabe, dude. I need you to kick your legs. I need you to act like you. Oh, I'm kicking my legs. What? They're not moving at all. And I'm like, okay, buddy, I see your legs are not moving. And then uh, Mason can barely touch the water. Or his head's just above the water, and he's, I need you to swim. He goes, I am swimming. You're not swimming. You're not doing that. And it's almost the exact same conversation, not 15 feet apart. And it's like, I'm just going to dunk my head under the water for a couple minutes. It's like, <laughs> that was, was... Dude, watching Gabe struggle with that boat. And you, oh, man, it was awesome. I just, yeah, that was funny. That was very relatable. It was, dude, that was like bonding trip for us as dads. And uh, yeah, so I do want to also say that one of the excuses that my kids give me is that I don't listen. So I came home after <laughs> I was, <Do> you. <laughs> I came home after that became the narrative and I asked Mason Lee, I'm like, Hey, do I listen to you guys? Or like, yeah, sometimes. Well, when don't I listen to you? Well, whenever we're being idiots, like, Oh, so, and then huh. they were like, you know, it makes sense when we don't, when you get mad and we don't listen to you or you don't listen to us because you're trying to tell us what to do. And it makes sense after the fact. And it's, it's just, again, frustrating because I have this functioning relationship with my stepchildren, but my own children just reject me and reject that I bring value to their lives. So you've got this parallel, but within the courtroom, they only want to talk to the people that are there and they don't want to take the rest of the story in. And it's just coming back to the original question. My authority has been stripped from me and it's been stripped from me from multiple sources and me fighting to regain it back through emotions, finances, everything has been a worthless pursuit. And when it's personal with it to your own family. So the question was work, home or life in general, when it's someone not in your household or that should be in your household, it's an easier conversation to get, say, hey, let's backtrack this is where this misstep was this, this mistake or misstep was we're going to get it back. But when it's within your own family, it's a whole new game because that's that I feel that the, that's what Satan's job. His focus is, is destroying families. I mean, you can look at, look at it across the board in any demographic when families are split up. Um, that's where he's thriving at. So I was listening to, um, to Perry stone, um, not too long ago and he was um he was kind of sharing about um one of the things his dad told him just as his dad right before his dad passed away and he said that uh, and perry stone's dad kind of operated in that that gift of prophecy as well as perry stone does he said that the god had revealed to him what the struggle was going to be closer to the rapture and closer to the end times and he said that what that is is the uh is families yeah that's going to be the struggle and he said that how how you how god told him 
that we combat it is by praying in the spirit constantly. Yeah, I mean, you have to. We're not going to be able to do it on our own. We never have. No. Anytime I try to do something on my own, Fails. like teach Gabe to swim in a boat, <clears throat> I get my own way. It's like I let my, and again, I go back to, at that point, he'd only been on the planet nine years, and I'd been on the planet 37 years, and it's like, I obviously know what to do, but he's in a situation that he's not really ever been in, and my frustrations is coming out, which is making him shut down. Again, Arya would have just got on the bank and walked at that point. Gabe is going to try to do what I'm asking him to do, but he's also going to shut down because I'm not relaying the information in a way that he's going to understand. And again, I think that's that's the world and that's so that's the spiritual walk as well. God is trying God is relaying the information to us in a way that we understand if we understand his voice. If we're training ourselves to be attuned to that whisper. We ask questions when we pray. We think we're thankful when we pray. We request things when we pray. And then we go about our day. We I highly recommend and it's something I'm 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 doing more and more is just listening, just not saying anything, trying not to think of anything so that I can be receptive. Hey God, I'm looking for this today. And then I get on my phone. Well, I'm not listening to God. I've asked and then I've moved on with it. So why would, he's not going to answer because I'm not listening to him. And Eric, I mean, families and kids have such a way of reminding us of even the good stuff, especially the good stuff and the joys. Every time I see my kids get get blessed or and they see something that they enjoy, it's like, man, when God blesses me, he's, he's got to feel so much more than that. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for that, the yes. That actually, that, that, come, that goes back to what we've been talking about over the last few weeks about listening to your spirit and being in tune with your spirit. Um, Kenneth Hagin uh, was... was sharing something I mean, obviously Kenneth Hagin passed away in like 2003 so I think this recording was from like the 70s but he was talking about um, being led by the spirit of God and he said that there, there was a there was a businessman in uh, Texas who once he got a hold of listening to the spirit of God he would go in and pray about a situation and go into his prayer closet and just sit there yeah he said sometimes he'd have to sit there for 24 hours plus and he would not leave until he got the answer from God. And he, I like this because he went to a familiar place, mm-hmm. right? It's Jesus. So it's, when he was in Jerusalem, always went to, to the garden. Do you guys have a similar place or have you guys ever made an altar to God that you liked? I mean, when I lived out in the country, I'd love to go into the woods and just take a walk and what? pray and walk and talk at the same time. So I've had an awesome opportunity to move all over the place and be in many places. When I was in Iraq, it was always at night. The sky was clear and I would wander and I would look up and because there was no humidity, I could see the most incredible stars I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, in Afghanistan, I would, it was again at night and I would, I'd, I smoke a pipe every once in a while and I would take my pipe and I'd pack it. Tobacco. I'd, tobacco, yes. I would walk <laughs> along the T wall. So we have these massive concrete walls and just on the other side of them is the war zone, if you will. And I, in the moments of stress, whenever I needed to hear from God, I would just wander for hours. And I would puff on that pipe and I would just pray and meditate on who God was. Um, it was incredible how comforting that was. Just being there and open to his presence and open to his comfort. Yeah, interestingly enough, one of my, my places is a racetrack. While there's racing with going all that on. chaos and noise, mm-hmm. you focus. And ain't that crazy? That you could focus, not crates, but ain't that amazing that you can focus in? And that's how I focus the best. So, like, I go to the, the 24 hours of Daytona every year, and that's kind of my in between. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> these are pickies up. It, in, in, are you drinking co- your vase? Hey, we, my, my Fiji. Fiji. These are yeah. one the Fiji too, right? Lady, by the way, their first day, their first recording, we it was. The butlers were out taking care of us. And First now and second, I'm drinking tap water. Um, Those are F1 cars, right? No, they're, <laughs> they're sports cars. Okay, I was thinking, but like, yeah, they don't know. That. But at the uh, <laughs> at the 24 hours of Daytona, my my favorite time is in between about nine o'clock at night and about three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I wait till they kick me out of this one section, and then I go back after everyone leaves, and I'm all by myself in a section of Daytona International Speedway that would seat 50,000 people by myself sitting next to the racetrack. Wow. No idea who's leading, no idea where anyone's at, just watching cars go by, and I'm often sitting there for, for those several hours, just pray, praying, thinking. I got earplugs in because it, it's loud. But, like, uh, just connecting with God. And that's usually how I get my, the, yeah. what, the, what my, my battery recharge, for lack of a better word, to make it through the next 365 days. That's mine's, your wilderness. Mine's not nowhere near as cool. Mine would have to be my office at work. I'm there more than I'm anywhere else, even though. You do put in some mad hours. You don't, you don't necessarily want to, but that's where you're at the most sometimes as a, as a working dad and. Um, but usually when I get there first thing in the morning, that's my time. Uh, I, I ask Alexa to throw on one of my favorite radio stations and I keep a, a Bible right there at my desk and usually some form of daily devotion or study guide or something like that. And usually try to start my day that way. I, I try my best cause it is definitely an interesting industry that I'm in that you, you're not ever dealing with anybody that's happy when they're walking through your door. Um, so literally one person after another, and it does get to you sometimes because um, there's nothing but unhappy negativity. Now, a lot of times they're happy when they're when when they get the end product, um, but nobody wants nobody wants to come see me. They're coming I to do. see me because they wrecked their car. They they they, they don't want to be there. Right, one day we just show up just to see Nick. <laughs> I'll bring my Jeep so that he can fix it. I'll bring mine. I don't. I'm excited to see you so that way I don't have scratches on the side of my truck anymore. <laughs> So, Jared, I have a question for you. If I make a recording of, would that help you with the meditation? <laughs> no. Oh. Because it's not the sound of highly tuned highly tuned V8, V12s, and V6 turbos. Dude, this <laughs> highly tuned <laughs> set of pipes, man, gift from God. <laughs> At least you can see the joy in certain things. <laughs> <sighs> All right, I think that's going to do it for the day. The... Thanks for being vulnerable. That was that was such a good conversation, and it's it's important. I think again, this is one of the reasons we're doing it is if we can say something to embolden men. Real, um, or, real stuff. This is real yeah, stuff. It's this conversations isn't, that's happening. Yep. Everywhere. There's no tables. script. Look, he's not reading a script. Like uh, some of yeah. these things. That no, this you, is just you know this looking is, at Bible verses. That's why our tagline right there. Our tagline is real men manly talk. So, this isn't scripted stuff. You had a whole list of questions we got. We did. We got one. I had a second follow up. <laughs> we did an entire episode on one question. Well, I talk a lot too. And there was a. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing a quick study on typology. I want to jump into that one day. Um, there's always an uh, seat of the seat of the man, seat of the servant. Um, I, I do want to put a plug out there. Um, through the journey I've been on, I felt alone for a lot of it. Uh, very much misunderstood and gaslit and thought I was crazy uh, and the only thing that really gave me any sense of sanity was community and the affirmation that the lies that I was being told that I continue to be told aren't who I am and aren't who define me and especially challenging with divorce and custody you know those contradict tenets of our faith and I'd like to spend some time during another episode um, talking about what that process was like but Anybody who's listening to this, if you are facing these, understand you're not alone. Feel free to reach out. Um, I would be happy to talk with you and share my experience because it sucks. And you, nobody seems to understand. When I would come to people in the church that hadn't been through it, they were just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. And praise God through my circumstances, I was actually able to connect with dudes that I otherwise wouldn't have because they were going through similar circumstances. Yeah. And I would argue that that's part of what the church is, is having the ability to come alongside. You have something Did you'd I like to share something? with the rest of us. So and the other, an important part of what you just said is there's a difference in... Sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. Especially if somebody, you've lost someone or someone's going through a difficult time. It's 
well, let me read you this scripture and then you just follow that and get over it. That's not ministering to someone. That's not, that's not being there with someone. Mm-hmm. That's just throwing something that you probably don't even follow into their face and expecting them to do something you wouldn't do. I'm going to say something there, shocking. On be that. with there and, and just minister to each other. Some of the worst hurt that I personally have ever felt in my life has been from church people. I will. Ooh, wow, controversial. Real man, manly talk. I mean, that's those are some of the worst people that's hurt me my entire life. Has been the quote unquote church people who say, "Well, God told me this." No, He didn't. You're an idiot. Yeah. Well, I've never really felt the church. God never told you that church pain before until here last couple of months ago. There was a there was a situation that happened that I, as a leader, was completely unaware of, and the fact that it wasn't coming to me was but it was going to others was like this wow i thought i thought we were better than this i mean we're we're not we're, we're all humans we're, we're all human that human condition yeah, that, and then that's one of those things that i kind of re- got to reflect on hey look we're not perfect no one is nobody uh so i'd I want to jump on that with respect to my case i haven't handled it well i have not handled it perfect ask my wife i'm miserable to live with right now um, the, I think I will ask her. Yeah, you should. Because the guy she married that was this happy bowl full of joy, I don't know where he's at right now. So that's part of my struggle. He's going to get back there. No, he's he yeah. going to get back there through the power of Christ. Yes. And yep. the promise and that's that the we only have way to get there, him. honestly. To, and, and that's the, there's ways to do it, but that's the perfect way. I, I will tell you that if it were not for my faith in Christ and who he is, I don't want to know where I would be. Because there have been very dark places, and I like to believe that I have strong faith in the God of all creation, and there have been plenty of times where. Yeah. I mean, I've looked back at some of the things, so when I, I know we, we're closing, but here we go for another 15 minutes. It was. Um, <laughs> we can do what we want. It's a quick phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Matt and Jared's quick. Hey, let's touch base real quick, 45 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes later. Thanks for the quick call, Jared. Um <laughs> I think everybody should often reflect on that. Where would you be without Christ? When I moved up here, I was 17 and I was serving the Lord. And then I I went away and I went away so hard. I did a 180. It was almost, I'm going to do something I shouldn't do just because I shouldn't do it. And now that I have my own freedom, that wasn't freedom. That was bondage. And I didn't realize it. It was freedom. It was bondage disguised as here's, here's your canvas go paint. And if, you could do it or if it's something that you probably shouldn't do i did it and didn't care that i did it and if it wasn't for christ uh staying consistent and and never forsaking me and never leaving me there's no doubt i'd be dead or in jail i mean there's none i i I wouldn't have had a family and i wouldn't have deserved it i wouldn't have deserved a family I would have deserved what I got because when you rebel and consistently rebel, I mean, I was getting to a place that my heart, my heart was starting to harden and that's a terrifying place to be mm-hmm. in. Romans yeah. eight one. Now, therefore there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus and praise God for that dude. I'm and t- we have to give that away too. We have to give it back to God and we have to choose to lay that down and let him take it over. Oh, again, surrender. It's a theme. It's almost like we have to do it. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, so we're going to continue this. I do want you guys, uh, comments will be open on these going forward. Mm-hmm. And if there's a question you've had, if there's a topic you want us to talk about, you want to get an opinion, um, just let us know. We'd be more than happy to discuss it and take it to the Lord. Uh, you can call me at 867-5309. We have to edit that out. He didn't, get, he didn't give the area code, so we're cool. Five, five, five. <laughs> <laughs> like he was saying, if you'd like to drop us a line, you can always hit us up on our email. It's mkdutalk at gmail.com. The MK is like Mountaineer Kingdom. So mkdutalk <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also visit us on our website at mkdutalk.com. There you can catch up with the latest episodes. You can also contact us on that page, get to know a little bit more about us. Uh, in depth there's a video on there that we kind of chatted about one day of why we're doing this things of that nature uh in the coming weeks make sure to we're going to start plugging
platforms. Uh, it's been a work in progress for us, so I'm excited about that next step in the evolution of Mountaineer Kingdom Dew Talk. Uh, hoo -ah. Hoo -ah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Keep going. Stereotypical. No. That's the dumbest thing ever, man. Oh. You know what's funny? It, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and say something dumb. No, like I grew up at Fort Bragg, which was home of the Airborne. So like when you're an Airborne, we're like, Airborne! Like all the stupid stuff. Well, we got to the point where we're making fun of that so much that we started saying Airborne to everything. So by making fun of it, we actually became... Became it. It was insane. Airborne. Uh, all right. So I was almost there to our tagline. So. Airborne! <laughs> so, so, so for the yes man, Jared, for okay, yes. Andy, okay. for the absent safety man, Ryan, and of course our host, Mr. Josh, I am Nick. Uh, this has been Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk, Real Men, Manly Talk. Hairborn! <laughs> not allowed to say certain words anymore, but you are ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my. Ah! <laughs> Sorry for blowing out your speakers, listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>